0: today to celebrate Christmas with me, you know, father and son things. so I did some research, there's a winter festival going on uh, in Carmel downtown, oh yeah, take him there, spend like a half day or so, do something good, then, you know, go to Indianapolis, canal walk, it looks really nice, Could uh, do that as well, I've been researching, I'm just looking, visiting me, but somehow. Canceled. You know the weather over here is the main cold. His connecting flight was in Detroit, which made it worse. The flight he could fly out was with uh, the to Detroit, five hours later, and all those things. So uh, just uh, cancel the trip, come back during spring break. So, so I'm gonna be here by myself, but I'm here with you. I'm glad I'm here years in California. Christmas is not like Christmas. You know, it, it has to be cold, the snow, and other things. I miss this. I'm really happy that I'm here for Christmas. You know, a couple of days ago, we had minus 11, negative 11. So negative 9, I thought, I need to experience this. So, you know, like tea. My name, uh, uh, just shorts. I went outside just to feel negative. I'm inside. <laughs> uh, that's the point that I would like to... Because sometimes news is very subjective, right? What's good news for you may not be good news for me and vice versa. Like Roman during Jesus' time, He empire. So it was good news for Roman Empire, but not the nations who were subject to Roman Empire. You also uh, know that when Caesar Augustus made a decree to have a um, census taken was good news for Roman Empire because it was a gimmick. It was a system that Augustus wanted to put in place. We need... Oh, okay. all right. <laughs> so that we could um, have tax. It was the most effective way for them to collect tax from the people. Entire Roman world. That's a lot of money. So it was good news for Roman Empire, but not so much... Uh, Countries like Israel. Well, today we're going to examine a passage that is promised to be good news for all people. Male, female, Gentiles and Israelites, old, young. It doesn't matter. This is good news for all people. The birth of the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ. When we talk about these three words, the Savior, the Messiah, Christ, they're basically talking about the same thing, anointed one. In the Old Testament times, we had three types of people who were anointed, kings and prophets and priests. So imagine during the time of Jesus Christ. They're part of this 400 silent years where God didn't Spoke a word to them. For 400 years, they've been searching for God. And then Roman Empire, they're now oppressing them. They don't have freedom to worship and all those things. So they've been crying out. God sent us the one, the Messiah, the Savior. When Jesus came, he was all of the above. Like the king, like the prophet, like the priest. But above all, he's the one who offered eternal salvation. I have a brother in law who's very smart. Uh, of all my years, you know, professors at school, some other pastors through fellowship, some lay people, I met smart people. My brother in law is up there. We could talk about everything from politics to religion to sports to finance, I mean, relationships. I could go to him and we could have a good conversation. He was attending church for 10 years. For 10 years, no one told him how to receive salvation. They just assumed that he was saved. So for 10 years, he has not heard a message from the pulpit about salvation. When he went to small group, when he went to Bible study, no one talked about salvation. So he just assumed, you know, a smart person, right? So he figured accepting Christ was only part of the process. You know, you have to read the Bible, attend church, you have to obey the commands, you have to do all these things, and then accepting Jesus was part of it. No one told him, in order to be saved, you just have to do one thing, and that is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. No one told him that. As a smart person, attended church for 10 years. No one taught him how to be saved. Only through Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. This is the message that we have. It's a simple message. Anybody could share this. That's why Jesus came. That's why it's good news for all people. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be famous. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will have everlasting life. That's the message. That's the good news we have. And we need to hold on to that. Moreover, we need to make sure we share that with others around us. Let me go to today's passage. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I mentioned this a little bit during Christmas Eve worship. The liturgical color for church during Christmas season and Easter season is purple. Purple represents sorrow and repentance. Isn't it interesting that we have purple during Christmas season? Baby wrapped in cloth. Why is this a sign? Baby lying in a manger? Why is this a sign? You know, Joseph and Mary, they came to Bethlehem for census, but at the same time, they were there to celebrate festival of tabernacle, meaning everyone's there. It's jam-packed. It's not unusual that you don't have a place to stay. So having a baby at that time, yeah, it's unusual, but, you know, you could put a baby in a manger, but not... The cloth. What's so special about this cloth? Greek word for this spar ganao. It is like a, a bandaid. Let me give you the picture. You wrap a baby like a mummy. You know, in Asian culture, we have a blanket that we wrap baby really tight because you know we want to give that feeling of. Uh, mother's womb, so baby will feel comfortable. So we wrap the baby very tight. But this is different. This is like a long, thin, like bandage that you just wrap, 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 wrap. When the shepherds went and saw that, that was a sign. This is the one, the Messiah. Remember when Jesus died? Joseph and Nicodemus they wanted to have a proper burial for Jesus. So they bought incense and they wrapped Jesus in the same type of cloth. The incense is kind of like made into liquid so every time you wrap you put the incense to protect, to preserve It's the same type of linen when Jesus came. Keep that in mind. I mean, what is more painful? Yeah, you know, the the pain that he had to suffer leading up to the cross and the crucifixion itself, painful, no doubt, excruciating. But what about the birth of Jesus? We don't think about that. It was painful for Jesus, his eternal God. For him to let go of that Attribute and other attributes, so that he could be confined into a human being, so that he will be in the midst of a time and location, limited with that. That was painful. But he came so that we could have eternal life. So let's continue reading. Okay, right there. Thank you. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone, on to, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Why the shepherds? So this is an amazing moment for God as well. He's sending his only begotten son. Jesus volunteering to suffer. He came to die as a ransom for many. It's a moment that we should all Recognize. So angels came. Why did they go to shepherds? Because they were nearby. It was convenient for them. you know, Since they're nearby Bethlehem. Why the shepherds? This is the point that I want to really uh, focus on today. And hopefully when you go home, you could talk about this with your um, family as well. So in order to find the answer, we need to go to Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 14. The Dung Gate was repaired by Markhijah, uh, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth-Hakarim. He built it and put its doors and their bolts and bars in place. So this is a time when Nehemiah came back from Babylonian captivity and started rebuilding the wall. Well, he, in the wall, they had 10 gates. And each gate, he put different families in charge of different gates. Don Gate was in charge by Rechabites. And they owned the land called Beth Hakarim. It's still there today under a different name, um, Rachel. It's between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. More closer to Jerusalem. But, you know, from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, it's only like 5.6 miles. So, it's, it's, you know, they're very close. So, remember this family name and remember the location. So, we'll go to the next passage. Bear with me. Jeremiah 35, verse 1. This is the word that came from Jeremiah from the Lord during the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. So, What's happening here is everybody's rebelling against God. And God found a good family, Rechabites. But he wanted to make sure. So he tells Jeremiah, take them to a room and give them wine to drink and see what happens. Why is this special? Because they were not supposed to drink wine. Verse 2, go to the Rechabite family and invite them to come to one of the side rooms of the house of the Lord and give them wine to drink. Same uh, chapter, verses uh, 6 and 7. But they replied, we do not drink wine because our forefather, Honadab, son of Rechab, Gave us this command Neither you nor your descendants must ever drink wine. Also, you must never build houses, sow seed, or plant vineyards. You must never have any of these things, but must always live in tents. Then you will live a long time in the land where you are nomads. So, Honadab lived about 300 years before Jeremiah. He served with King Yehu, or Jehu, if you like. King Yehu and Jehonadab, they both led revival of the country, getting rid of idol worship. But then the king turned back to idol worship. And they used wine during their worship and to celebrate their gods. So where would they get wine from? Nearby. Beth HaKarim, which stands for House of the Vineyard. That's the wine place. Like Napa, Sonoma, California. So since it's nearby Jerusalem, if king is leading this idol worship, he will get wine from that location. Famous for wine. Nearby. Perfect. That's when Jehonadab told his family, Don't plant any seeds. Our wine cannot go to idol worshipers. So stop sowing seeds and building vineyards. In fact, don't even build houses here. Because if you live here, they know you have skill set to build wine and you will be forced to make wine. So I want you to become nomads. Give up everything and wander around. Live in tents. That's what this family has been doing for past 300 years they didn't yield to idol worship. They kept their forefathers commands. And then let's come back over here. During the time of Jeremiah now God is testing them. And God found them faithful. They did not yield. They kept their faith so this is what 2nd king 24 14 says he carried all Jerusalem into exile that is king Nebuchadnezzar some you know not too long after Jeremiah time actually part of Jeremiah time Nebuchadnezzar comes to conquer southern kingdom Judah and he's taking everybody all the officers and fighting men and all the skilled workers and artisans, a total of 10,000, only the poorest people of the land were left. So this was Babylonian system. When they conquer a country, they would take all the important people with them and they would brainwash them to serve them, right? And if they don't have a smart people left over, then they cannot do anything. That was their system. So who got left behind? poor people, uneducated people, unimportant people. Who are they? Shepherds. Three people they despised at this time. Tax collectors, prostitutes, and shepherds. Shepherds were nomads. They were not, they were left behind. Because they obeyed their forefather, Jehonadam. This is verses 18 and 19 of the same chapter. Then Jeremiah said to the family of Rebekites, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, you have obeyed the command of your forefather, Johanadab, and have followed all his instructions and have done everything he ordered. That is, not worshiping idols, not giving in. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, Johanadab, son of Rechab, will never fail to have a descendant to serve me. So when they were... Nomads living as shepherds, their animals were used to offer sacrifices. They kept serving the Lord in a small way, but in a faithful way. So in this historical moment of God's plan of salvation, as he's sending his only begotten son, he sends angels to share the good news. Where do they go? The shepherds, the Rebekahites the best people who could hear the news. Not because they were poor and forgotten people and God wanted to encourage them. Maybe that's part of it. But the main reason why the angels went to the shepherds with this good news is that they deserve to hear this good news because they've been part of God's ministry for all these years, for hundreds and hundreds of years. They've been faithful. Folks, this is the life that we have to live. When we talk about holiness... We know it's set apart for God. But in this definition of holiness, there is also meaning of making a choice and holding on to it. Rechabites were holy because they made a choice to obey God, to pursue God, and they held on to God for hundreds, for hundreds of years. And that silent night, that holy night, Who deserves to hear this good news more than anyone else in Israel? Rechabites, the shepherds. That's why angels were there. They did not hesitate. When they heard the good news, they ran. Because they wanted to see it. This is what we've been waiting for all these years. Now we get to see our Messiah, our Lord However, as I mentioned, sometimes what's good news for you may not be good news for me. As Christians today, much like Rabbi kites, but in a different way, we have to wait on the Lord. That is his second coming. He already came. We're already saved. But we need to pray for the second coming. Because when that time comes... We will be made perfect. Our worship will be perfect. Our, our our fellowship with God will be perfect. Our relationship with one another will be perfect. We ought to pray for that time. We need to look out for that. We need to look, look for signs. We need to be faithful until we see Jesus face to face. His return, the second coming. But then, it's not good news for unsaved. This is where we have to start. First, we need to make sure we're saved. We need to make sure that our kids are saved. We need to make sure that our friends are saved. We need to make sure that people here are saved in Carmel. Then we need to keep spreading the good news. At the end of the day, it's up to God. But then we need to be faithful. When the time is right, God will bring them into his presence. And we'll be fortunate to be part of that ministry. And we could rejoice with the Lord. If you are saved, it has to start there. But then, do you have the assurance of salvation? That's another thing. Otherwise, your faith will be like a quagmire. Unless you have the assurance of salvation. I know young people wrestle with that. I did pretty much all my life. I went to church from, you know, yay high. At the same time, I really didn't experience God in a profound way. So I will always question my salvation. It wasn't until I sorted this out that I began to grow. Because when you have the assurance of salvation, you have this firm foundation. Then things will look different. The, the words that you read will come to you differently. When you have the assurance of salvation, you will share God differently. You will share Jesus differently. Your life will be different. And you keep adding little more and little more and more. that's how you're going to grow. But you need to have that assurance of salvation. Finally, this good news came to us. Our responsibility is to share. And that's my prayer for all of us that we'll become like this family, Rehoboite family. CCCI will become that community that would spearhead this movement of sharing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in Carmel, and in Indianapolis, as Michael said, beyond that. We have big churches here, but we have a special niche, or niche, as you would say, Carmel, Carmel, I'm confused. (laughs) We need to be part of that ministry. I hope to be a part of that ministry, and let's try to do that. I hope this Christmas will be that kind of Christmas where you could share, you could uh, examine your family to find out where we are, and then go from there. Father, thank you so much for blessing us today. From praise to just seeing each other, I was, I'm just just pleasantly surprised. You know, it's cold weather, slippery roads, and yet your people came to worship. Father, thank you for your provision. Thank you for inviting us to be part of this worship. And as we celebrate true Christmas with you, let us remember the love and grace that you gave us through the suffering of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to appreciate this grace and love. It's just too much for us to just holding on to, uh, holding that to ourselves to harbor the blessing. So now just encourage us, oh Lord, help us to share that so that you will be glorified, so that you will remember us to send more good news. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's take a moment.